Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, and I'm Tony Tolado, and today a conversation with Amber Benson. As one of the Buffy alumni, she certainly has been expanding her reach, writing and actually getting into producing and also directing. Let's catch up with one of Buffy's alumni in Amber Benson. I guess what you've been doing a lot lately is, besides being very busy, is uh, doing a lot of writing these days. I do a lot of writing these days. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, like half my half my life is sitting in front of my computer. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But, uh, but, you know, there's some really cool stuff, and, and it seems like you gravitate towards the uh the fantasy and 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 some of the horror elements too you kind of like writing that type of style i do there's something about being able to write about stuff that doesn't exist and sort yeah. of be free form because no one can go you know what amber this is actually how uh you know death does its business and this is actually how vampires you know go about taking blood from people I love that there's like there's sort of like a, a no no censorship. Nobody can tell you you're doing it wrong. I That's appreciate right. that. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. We'll talk about some of those that you're writing. Uh, there's a, a series, uh, Calliope Reader Jones, uh, and that's like more of an urban fantasy. You can tell uh, our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a it's a series uh, of books that I uh, wrote for Ace Rock, which is part of Penguin. Nice. It's it's definitely more in the urban fantasy uh, vein. It's about a girl whose name is Calliope Reaper Jones, whose dad is Death. Death is run like a corporation. Her dad's the president CEO. When he gets kidnapped and there's no one to run Death, she has to run the company in his stead. Mm. And she wants nothing to do with the business. She wants to be a normal girl. She does not want into the family the family um, job. She wants to be free and be her own person. And so she's sort of forced into this this other kind of supernatural world. Did uh, five books in that series. The first one's called Death's Daughter. It was a lot of fun. I, I definitely kind of got burnt out with the first person narrative, though. Yeah. As much as I I liked being in her head, I was just like, I need to write in third person. I need to <laughs> I need, need to get out of her head. I'm I feel like I'm turning into her. And, <laughs> So, yeah, so I did that, and then uh, uh, because I didn't want to write any more in that series right now, I wanted to take a break. I actually pitched my editor, who uh, was, uh, her name is Ginger, well, she was Ginger Buchanan. She retired uh, right after I turned the book in, so I have a new uh, editor, editor, Jessica Wade. But but Ginger, I like, pitched her a new, a new series about witches, and we actually had a really fun quasi-drunken lunch in New York <laughs> where she and I spiffled ideas about what, what exactly that would entail. A witches series. Oh, so, cool! And is that going to be the Witches of Echo Park? That is the Witches of Echo Park, and that is uh, coming out in January of 2015. But we're actually going to be giving away a bunch of copies at New York Comic Con. They're having some some preview arcs. Oh, cool! And that's going to be yeah. I'm getting ready for that myself. Uh, I'm going to be kind of going crazy at New York Comic Con for sure, but uh, not as crazy as San Diego, that's for sure. But uh, New York is still kind of finding its way a little bit, I think. It, it, It's just, I mean, the crowds are amazing. Yeah, I went a few years ago, and I was overwhelmed. Yeah. I was like, this is bad as is San Diego, because I can't, you know, you can't walk around without, like, basically running into, to, like, swords and, and bare breasts, almost bare breasts, and, like, weird costumes. It's always in your face wherever you go. You can't escape. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, that's the way it is. Actually, I think last year they even they they broke their records for attendance, and uh, the floor was really brutal. Uh, you know, after a certain time, yeah, right. they just couldn't do it. But uh, that's a good thing, which means it's going to be around for a while. And uh, and for you, that means you'll you'll get a lot of people will you know talk to you and you'll be able to talk to them about your books. That'll be a good thing. Yes, I'm. I'm excited to spread the word. Um, I'm really proud of the book, and it, it'll be nice to get it out there and to get people's reactions to it. That's something I'm really excited about. I haven't, I haven't done that yet. So now, witches yeah. is interesting because it's, um, it's essentially um, there's there's like, I guess like a matriarch of this family, and uh, she's kind of trying to turn it over to, uh, I think, her daughter or her niece. I'm not sure from what I read. <laughs> and uh, uh, and she's kind of reluctant about kind of taking over the, the family business, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I guess I do, I do have some, an issue that I'm, I'm working on. It's so funny. I, there's, no, there's no family business for me to go into. This, for me, this was less about... She didn't really know about what her, her great-aunt did, the, right, the right, main right. character. So, so she kind of got you know, sort of thrown into it. Mm-hmm. But she's willing to, to sort of take it over. She's she's different than Calliope because she's not fighting it. She sort of rolls with the punches and is open open to sort of being a part of this coven in Echo Park mm-hmm. that her great her great aunt is or she thinks it's her great aunt, uh, is the, the, the sort of coven master for. And yeah, so there there is a bit of a but I think that's very much the uh the sort of the hero's journey. Yeah, you know that call, that call to to arms and and you know, or call to, to some sort of like, you know, uh, quest, and then turning back and going, no, I'm I don't want any part of this, and then sort of being forced into it. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. I'm always I'm always curious to delve into into that sort of thematic sort of world and and play with that that that, that journey because you, you don't see a lot of female characters that go on that sort of questing. It's usually male characters, but it's becoming yeah. more and more that way where you're seeing more female protagonists who go on this journey. What's cool too is I'm sure this is part of, part of the fun part of writing it is she's kind of coming into an established coven. Everybody has their, their own place and I'm sure everybody's looking at her like, well, you know, who are you? You know, what are you doing here? <laughs> kind of thing. So, <laughs> so I think that... Yeah, no, I, and you know, what was interesting to me is I wanted to write about women's relationships with each other that mm. are sort of outside, like, the, the male dynamic. Because so yeah. often books are, you know, or, or films or, or stories are about, you know, uh, about a male character and how the women deal with the male character. And I was like, eh, male characters are less important to me in this. They, they definitely have their place. But this was more about, like... How do these women deal with each other? How do they support each other? How do they how do they get on? What is their what is their dynamic? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I find that that that's very intriguing to me. And I have a lot of female friends. I just it was sort of like a mash note to them. I wanted to sort of talk about our our friendships and how important they are to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, witches are you know popular. There's a TV show about mm-hmm. them, and of course, you played one on television yourself. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a cool thing. Uh, you know, it's a, it's it's certainly a different world since you were on Buffy, and nowadays eBooks. And uh, you know, I'm guilty myself. My wife and I both kind of read them that way because it's mm-hmm. it, it's easy to travel. So I, I'm sure. Uh, I guess all of your stuff is going to be available if it's not already available that way as well. Is that right? Or it is. You can you can find all the Death's Daughter, the Clyde Reaper Jones stuff. Um, 
uh, they're all ebooks, and and some and then three of them are audiobooks, and then we're going to do the same thing with the witches series. There'll be uh, you know trade paperback, and then there'll be mm-hmm. ebooks, and I think an audiobook as well. So that's kind of exciting. Now, do you read your own books for the audiobook? I had, yeah, oh, cool. I really, I really enjoyed doing it. It's so much fun. Uh, get to do all the voices and be the different characters, and then you also get to go. Oh wow, that sentence is terrible. What was, what was I thinking? <laughs> you want to go in and re-edit stuff? Not not a, not much, but little bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a different world. And I, I hear you're going to be um, going back to the world of vampires too uh, in Morganville for yes. uh, Geek and Sundry. That's a that's a fun bunch of folks to work with, I'm sure. Yeah, and they've been so lovely so far. I love I love Felicia. I think she's yeah. with smart. So so like such a business acumen, you know, um her ability to sort of corner the marketplace before there even was a marketplace was just really it was really impressive to watch. Oh and yeah. I I just I love the stuff that they're doing and it was so much fun to, to work with Rachel Kane on her series. You know, Morganville has all these great these great books that we're sort of drawing from for the web series. Yeah. To be able to sort of play a vampire, but you know, not bad guy, but tough, tough guy. It was really fun. Yeah, that's that's going to be fun. And, you know, a, a medium that is really, you know, the web series is, uh, you know, I it, it, it hasn't exploded yet, but it's slowly but surely getting steam. I think the problem is there's so many out there. Certainly, Geek and Sundry has kind of gotten ahead of the pack. They've kind of established their brand very nicely. So I'm sure a lot of eyes will see uh, Morganville for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think it, it looks really, really good. I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen the completed piece yet. And, and what's amazing is the production values on, on these things, especially their shows, are like top notch. So it's like you're watching television or film it's just it looks really good and i mean she certainly knows her way around the set and and doing that kind of thing and uh you know that'd be cool sci-fi talk returns in a moment you've directed so and co-directed a film so is would you step behind the camera for any episodes you think <laughs> that would be really fun, uh, but we've got an amazing, like, Blake Galton, who, who directed and is producing the, the Morganville, is so talented that I think, you know, he does great work. I I, I give over completely to him. I, I don't know if I could if I could do it as well as he does. He's just so smart with, with doing so much for so little money. Yeah. He's great with action and the blood. <laughs> All the gore and the good stuff. <laughs> Gotta have that. <laughs> Gotta have that. That's for sure. <laughs> so, directing, is that something, you know, you co-directed the movie Drones, and that was a few years ago. Is that something you eventually want to do again, or uh, or did you just kind of get a taste of it and said, maybe that's not for me kind of thing? No, I love directing. Directing is wonderful. I've made a couple of little features, and then I co-directed Drones, and that did really well. And it was on Showtime and Netflix for a while and stuff. I, yeah, I just, I love it. It's it's taking all the things that I enjoy, you know, the, the, the being able to sort of like take what's in your head and, and put it out on screen, which is what I do with the book, but not quite the same. Yeah, like yeah. It's not that, that ex- like that heightened level. It's not just, you know, it's not just words. It's people and movement and picture. And oh, yeah. It's really cool. But, uh, yeah, I love bossing people around, so it's perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, what's 
really fascinating is really this whole secondary market. Now Netflix is, you know, becoming what you know what we call now content providers, or because it's mm-hmm. not a channel per se, but they're going to ha- they have their own series already, and and they've gotten acclaim, and they're d- doing even more. Uh, you know, as somebody who makes things and, and produces things, how does that feel to you to have all these other outlets where you don't have to go to a studio anymore? Uh, you can you can go to somebody like Netflix and pitch an idea, and they because they're kind of hungry for content right now. Yeah, they, they, they're hungry for content, but not content from Joe Blow in Iowa. They, oh, of course, you know, yeah, they, yeah. They're much more. In fact, I think in some ways they're, they're, they're they have to be more selective even than what is pitched to more mainstream uh, mm-hmm. outlets because they are trying to make a name for themselves. So they're going to the, cre- the creme de la creme of, of talent and going, okay, here's this outlet. We'll, we'll give you autonomy to do what you want. So you have people like David Fencher who are working with Netflix. They don't come to, you know, sadly, they're not interested in people like me. I'm small fish. I can't. I can't help them in that way. I wish I wish it were different. I wish having all these new outlets meant that that you know the little guy had more of a leg up. But sadly, I think we we live in a time when everybody is trying to sort of separate themselves out and go, look at me, look at me. And, and the way to do that, I think a lot of people feel is you get bang for your buck by having famous and name name people involved. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. I, I, it's, it's true. It's a good and bad thing at the same time, unfortunately, but that's the way it goes. You know, it's until there's a change, but that's what makes YouTube such a great platform because you can, exactly. you know, you can, uh, that kind of equalizes the playing field a little better. Uh, although it's, you know, it's also hard to get noticed on there, but like, you know, Geek and Sundry and people like that uh, who kind of establish themselves early now have a leg up on stuff like that. They do. They have a platform that people go to, yeah. whereas, you know, people that are, that are starting now, it's an uphill battle because there's already a saturation of, oh, yeah. of stuff. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. it's like that it's like on TV, too. Like, you, mm-hmm. how many cable channels are there? I don't own a television, so <laughs> I don't know, but... But from from when I go to my friend's house or stay at a hotel, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like three thousand TV channels. I know, I know. Actually, that's an, another thing that I, that I my viewing habits have changed because I'm a little older than you, and I come from a time where you had to tune in on a certain day uh, at a certain time to watch something, or you have to catch it on reruns. And if you if you missed it, tough luck. So you'd have yep, to hear, no, I, you know, what everybody was talking about. But uh, and then we had V eight, we had V VCR, so we could tape it. But uh, those tapes take up a lot of room and all that. So this this whole, I I mean, I right now I'm a DVR kind of guy. I, I have to admit, <laughs> I am. You know, it's just easier to see things when, you know, my wife and I aren't home at the same time. So uh, you know, to watch it together, we we do it by DVR and. Uh, you know, we're going to watch last night's programming tonight. So that's the way it goes, you know. It's the way everybody. Yeah, I think it's, so. It's just the future, like this binge watching where everything is wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, that's so right. It's all now. And, you know, people people don't want to wait anymore. It's it's immediate gratification. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, because you and I, when we grew up, you're right. There, there was no, you know, if you wanted to tape. I mean, I remember when... Or beta, you know, beta oh player. Oh my god, yeah, jeez. Yeah, you know, and that was like a crazy new thing, and you, and and 
you know, if you wanted to see something, you better, you better be, you better have your butt in front of the TV when it comes on. Oh, I know. Or that's yeah. it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. It was crazy time. And, and now it's even crazier in a lot of ways. Um, you know, you got to credit Joss Whedon, but, you know, you know, Tara and, uh, you know, her character was really very much, and her relationship with Willow was very groundbreaking for the time. I mean, it really it was. It was. I mean, you can see there's how times have changed and uh, they're openly gay characters on television shows right now. It's a different mindset right now and that's on television anyway i think around the country we're still we're still working on it but uh yeah you know but uh what's it, what's it feel like to kind of been at something at the beginning like that you know we were really really lucky to be able to sort of be the first lesbian long-term relationship on network television and it opened so many doors and it gave it gave people out in you know middle america who wouldn't who hadn't, I guess, up until then had any kind of role model out there, except, you know, maybe Ellen with that one kiss, but there really wasn't anything else. It gave them, like, the the feeling that it's okay to be who they are. Mm -hmm. That if you fall in love with somebody, you're just lucky. Even if they happen to be the same gender or a totally different gender or whatever it is, you're just lucky, you know, and there's nothing wrong with with same-sex relationships, that it is totally normal and natural, and there are a lot of people out there who don't have that. They live in societies where it's frowned on, where religion dictates that it's, it's you know, evil or a sin. Mm-hmm. When when Joss, you know, created that relationship, he really, he changed the, the playing field a little bit. Yeah, I, re- I really do believe, and I've, I've talked to a few other people and in, during the course of interviews, um, that I really believe this is like the last civil rights-like area. You know, it's like, hundred percent. You know, it's like this is once we clear this hurdle, we would have come. We, we will come a long way. You know, if we can do that, that'd be that'd be awesome. Because it's just there's no reason why not. You know, frankly, you know, I can't think. Of I any. I agree. I agree with you. It, it seems rather ridiculous that we live in 2014 and things haven't changed yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that they are changing, but it's just a slow, slow process. I, I was listening to, to NPR in the car today, and they're talking about, you know, the, the the percentage of LGBTQ characters on network TV is is risen, but it's still like four or five percent. I mean, it's super yeah. low. That's very low. We're still not at a point where minorities, um, you know, essentially anyone is well, where the country is well represented. And I just heard a. A statistic I actually put it on an article I reblogged it on my blog was from what 2012 to 20 to, to this year there only 22 percent of the uh, of the characters were women in these films 22 yep. percent that's horrible we're more than half the population of this country yeah know? that's that's criminal I mean that really is it's wrong it's totally wrong another thing that Buffy Buffy proved that a woman could carry a show. Yeah, totally. You know? I mean, uh, she she was tough, but yeah. she was a real character. People uh, across the board turned, tuned in to watch the show. It wasn't just women. It was men, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Young and old. I remember I was doing, I was doing a charity event, and uh, they had us signing some stuff. And we were sitting there, and it was me and, and, and the guys from the trio. <laughs> yes, and, yes. Tom and, and the boys. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And this woman with a stroller came up and, uh, she was with this, you know, the baby in the stroller and a little, and there was a little girl with her and she, she came over to, uh, <laughs> to me and she's like, will you sign this? And I was like, oh, to you. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's for, it's for my father. His name is David, whatever. And then she turns to the little girl and she goes, this is the girl from grandpa's favorite show. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I love that grandpa's favorite show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> it's a great show. It's it's on somewhere. Um, you know, I think I can, I think I watch it on Netflix once in a while. So it's, uh, it's great to have it there. And, uh, you know, I you you always wonder you you kind of play Monday morning quarterback. Gee, what would have happened <laughs> if Buffy was on during a time where there was Twitter and social media? How would have that oh, changed? Gosh. You know, you know, uh, it might still be on the air. You never know. But uh, but yeah, it, for, you know, it's you can't. It's it was a show of its time, and uh, yeah. it certainly changed. I think in a lot of ways the way television shows were written and how dialogue was written. So uh, yeah. it certainly uh, paved the way and has a special place, I think, for me. And uh, just to let you know, not to dwell too much on it, but my <laughs> wife is was talking about Buffy to her niece. So she's Aww. she's lent her the DVDs and now she's hooked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a drug. I say this it to is. people and they look at me like I'm crazy. But I'm like, you can't just watch one. You have to watch the whole season of Buffy, the first one. And then you go on and watch all the rest of it. You finish that up and then you move to Angel and you watch all of that. That's right. And then you move to Firefly. I mean, it's just, it doesn't end. The man, no. the man has created an empire. He and has. He has. It's, it's intense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you've done, uh, you know, it's the cool thing about what you're doing is it sounds like you're exploring, you know, all the creative areas that interest you, that whether it's writing, you know, acting, uh, and even, you know, in film somewhere, co-directing or, or you know, you've had yeah. a chance to kind of do a lot of different things. And uh, is there anyone that you'd like more or is it just cool to be able to play in all those different sandboxes? <laughs> You know, it's really great to be able to play in all the different sandboxes, <laughs> but I think my favorite thing is probably directing, just because, it, you know, it's when you get to write something and then you direct it and then you get to, like, cut it and, and, and you know, it's, it's just every it, it's just taking all the things I enjoy and putting them together, dealing with actors, you know, dealing with your crew and the way where the camera goes and how it looks and the style, all that stuff's really, really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, there is some magic in the editing room when everything comes together. When you oh, totally, you know, and then you see the finished product, and you know, there it is. You know, it's uh, it's it. There is some magic to it, and, and I I still think that's one of the hardest things to do on the planet is to make a film that is good. I think is really hard thing to do because uh, you 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 know you really don't get the feedback until after it's out. So it's really hard totally. to, to gauge it. It is. You don't, you know, it's sort of like, I think anything in the entertainment industry is sort of like gambling. It is. <laughs> you, <yeah>. know, <laughs> you put everything into it and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to put it out there and either it's going to be big bucks, no whammy, or it's going to be. I know. I know. I mean, how many things do you hear on paper sound really good? It's like, hey, they cast this person for this and that. And then when you see it, uh, you can't watch five minutes of it. It's like, what happened? <laughs> you just don't know. You know it's, it's 
true. And I think a, a, a big problem we have is we have too many cooks in the kitchen, especially, you know, in, in studio network world, because you have so much money wrapped up in these TV shows and in these movies that, you know, you have 50 people going, well, I have to justify my job and I have to make sure that this makes money. Because if I don't, we're screwed, yeah. you know? So you have all these people sort of dictating what gets what gets made and, and making creative choices when they're not creative people, per se. They're more... Yeah, they're business people. They're business people. They have MBAs from Harvard. And yeah. you're like, okay, well, that's great. And you should be great at getting, you know, getting the business into things going. But if you want to talk to me about character development... You better also have a degree um, in, in creative writing. Yeah, I mean, can you tell a story? Do you know how what what a character, exactly. what motivates a character? How to make the character real? Those are issues that are you know essentially can make or break any movie or TV show. So that you're there. That's I think that's the bad thing about it is the business people are saying you know the the creative people do their jobs and they make a good product and and then. Because somebody has to have their hand in it to just, as you said, to justify. They say, well, how about if we change this or that? And we're not realizing it, they could be hurting the show. That's already fine. No, it doesn't need tinkering. Totally. Well, I mean, Buffy, they were really lucky because they came in as kind of like a mid-season replacement. And no one was really paying attention. They're like, I don't know what this thing about a vampire was, you know? Yeah. And so it kind of was left to its own devices. And, and he, he was allowed to sort of create what he wanted. And I think, you know, that's why the show was as good as it was, because there wasn't a lot of, of fighting from, from other places. You yeah. know, the people that were interested, the network executives and the studio people that were interested in Buffy, it was more they just were, they liked it, and they mm. wanted it to be good, less than, like, trying to justify money or, or you know. It was interesting. It, it, got, it got a really good deal on, in that regard. Unfortunately, he wasn't as lucky with Firefly when they mixed up the order of the episodes and oh man that did not help things at all you know it's like when you see it in the order it was meant to be it goes it just makes more sense you know it's 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 again it's storytelling yeah. and that one I, I i think the network really goofed on that uh, you know they really did they were going to spend all that money and they wanted to air in the correct order <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's just that you know they felt they they wanted to go more ratings, so they wanted to go in that direction, but uh, but that doesn't, you know, it, it really hurt the story, and uh, and the rest is history, unfortunately. But uh, bad, yeah. Well, so what? What besides the books? Uh, you know, in Morganville, do you have anything else uh, you have coming up? You know, I just directed a short film. Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, so I'm working on that, and then uh, see what else is going on. But you know, I've got another. This is a new series of books. So I've got the second one that I'm working on right now. It's due at the beginning of the year. Oh, cool. So that's sort of taking over my taking over my life right now. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Very, very, very occupied, very busy. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's great. Well, busy is a good thing. That's what I always say. <laughs> so it's not a bad thing. 
Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and get your insights on things. And uh, you know, oh it, no, the pleasure was all mine, Tony. This was really lovely, and the fact that you're so you're so fun to talk to, and you're so aware of stuff and so bright. It's it's really nice. Oh, that's nice to hear that. That's nice. You're not uh, just like, what was it like working on Buffy the Vampire? Uh, but, no. <laughs> I hate stupid questions. I really do. And <laughs> and you know, I'll be at roundtables next week, and I'll hear so many. It's got to be going. Oh my god. Uh, so, sad. Know, it is. It's just you know nobody works on interviewing anymore. It just seems like they just no. they just kind of throw questions at people and that's that they're told to ask. And uh, I could go on. <laughs> 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 All right, Amber. Great to talk to you. And so I'll you certainly too. be watching everything you're doing. It sounds like uh, some oh, cool stuff coming you. coming our way here. Thank you. All right. You yeah. take care. Okay. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Really appreciate that. Special thanks to M4PR for arranging the interview. And check out her novels, The Witches of Echo Park series, The Ghosts of Albion, which are both at Amazon. Until next time, this is Tony Tolato. Thanks so much for listening.